I'm James Hahn II. And I'm Mark LaCour. And you're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Here we are at episode 48, only three weeks away from Mark LaCour getting me to do something consistently once a week for a full year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and folks, really, that is a lot of work. So, you know, hats off to James for actually sticking to this. Hats off to you for sticking to, uh, to this with me. We've got some we've got some house cleaning to start with here, Mark. What are the things we need to talk about up front? Because we we've gotten a lot of gotten a lot of feedback in in reviews and email about how people are frustrated that they cannot basically they cannot see the news links through the iTunes podcast app. Yeah, so I think James has a really good solution, but unfortunately, it only applies to iOS, but we're working on everything else. So what's that solution? So here's the solution. It's called Overcast. The Overcast podcast app, if you just go into the iTunes store on your on your phone, just click apps and click search, type in Overcast podcast, it will come right up. And the great thing about this is when you see a new show come in, and you click the I for the information that goes along with the show, the entire blog post with all of the links is right there. And so it's overcast. And I personally, I get crazy frustrated not being able, because what all, all iTunes does is just sucks in all the words and jumbles them all together. Yeah, so what a great solution. And how easy is that? All you do is touch the I. So overcast, folks. Yeah, overcast for iPhone and if you're on Android, it's Stitcher. It's a little workaround, but it's really not that hard. Stitcher is in the Google Play Store. But the really good news is, Mark. That pretty soon will actually be on Google Play itself. Yes. Google is rolling out podcasts finally this year. Hopefully they'll keep them around. You know, they really like to, to crush apps <laughs> and, and so forth. But they're going to be in. We're, we're actually already published in there. It just has to go live. So is if you're on an Android, and I know that a lot of people listen on Android, uh, and they're really they're kind of frustrated with the workaround with Stitcher. Good news, Google has a solution. They just haven't actually told us exactly when yet, which is a little frustrating. But sometime in 2016, we're going to be in the Google Play Store under their podcast. So that's yeah, the, James, what do we could do with that one guy that's listened to us on a BlackBerry? <laughs> there's got to be if you're that guy. Email us, tweet us. We want to hear about that. Well, what about Windows phones? There's probably pr- plenty of people on Windows phones out there, too. So they must have to use Stitcher or something. I don't even know no, what's on I'd Windows. I'd like to hear back from the Windows phones because, you know, uh, that's very prevalent. Windows phones are very prevalent in oil and gas in Europe. They love their Windows phones. So we'd love to hear back from you. What's the experience like on a Windows phone? Yeah, definitely. And then also, I went out there and found a way to easily set up for everyone to be able to share the show. And I did it for the three, kind of the the big three, if you will, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And can you tell them, Mark, a little bit about what sharing does? So if you share our show with your network, right, with your the people that you follow or, or that follow you, it allows us to reach out to more people. It allows us to grow our audience exponentially, organically, right? People that you're associated with, if you enjoy our show, they will probably enjoy our show. So do us and your network a favor and share this. Share this on your social networks. And I got to say, do yourself a favor because 
by the social sharing function, myself from the marketing perspective, in terms of you building your personal brand within your company and within your industry, bringing a resource like this to your coworkers and to your friends, that positions you even more as that, as that go-to guy with, with, the, with great resources and great intelligence within your company and within your niche. Yeah, it's a, you know, James, I've had a lot of people reach out to me. And I'm sure you've had the same people reach out to you just basically thanking us for putting the show together because it's a quick way for them to stay on top of what's going on in the oil and gas industry. So I promise you, folks, your peers would probably appreciate listening to this as well. All right. So let me jump in here because uh, just, just follow me here. So I said the big three. So it's tribrocket.com forward slash T-W-L-I. Tribrocket.com, whatever you're doing, if you're on the treadmill, if you're mowing the lawn, uh, if you're driving your car, don't do this. Wait until you pull over. But you can just type triberocket.com right into your in, into the whatever browser you have on your phone. Triberocket.com forward slash T-W-L-I will automatically share the show. Well, it will automatically open up a, a status update to share the show on LinkedIn. And you can put whatever commentary you want with that. And then with Twitter... It's triberocket.com, and this one is a little easy to remember, triberocket.com forward slash TWTW, so this week, Twitter, and then it will automatically populate a tweet that says James Hahn the second and Mark LaCour are killing it, best oil and gas podcast out there with a link to our show. So that's, it. that's if you're on Twitter, and I know not everybody in this industry is on Twitter. So triberocket.com forward slash TWTW, and then finally Facebook, and a lot of people think that not many people in this industry are on Facebook. It's absurd how many people in this industry are on Facebook. And so we've got it set up where you can automatically share the show at triberocket.com forward slash TWFB. So this week, Facebook. And that, just like with LinkedIn, it will automatically pop up and, and you can write whatever status or, or whatever you want. Click share. And if you do that, we really couldn't thank you enough for that. Yeah, folks, so reach out there, share our show with your network. People will appreciate that you did, and it'll help us spread the word. So do it. Thank you. Thank you. If you do that, we, we, will, we will retweet if we can see it and, and, and join the LinkedIn group, all that stuff. Our community is growing like crazy, and just thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. With that said, we've got a lot of stories to cover, Mark. Let's get into it. We'll start with Bloomberg Business in Russia. How cheap oil is squeezing Russia's economy. Yeah, so, you know, Russia relies on oil and natural gas for about 50% of its revenue. So this low crude prices is, is hurting them, so they're running a deficit. And the deficit's basically when you're spending money that you don't have. Um, so it's, um, it's interesting. If you go through this Bloomberg article, they hit on some very good um, business drivers, right? So the, their, their currency is, is being weakened by inflation. Um, their gross domestic, domestic product is shrinking. Um, it's, you know, the value of the rubles uh, uh, decreased, and it's all because of the low price of oil. And it's also being um, amplified by the sanctions that, are, that have been put on by the U.S. and Europe. Now, interestingly enough, I have a contact that's actually in Russia that I do a monthly um, interview with, and he brought up something I had never thought of, which is most of the Russian oil and gas companies get paid in U.S. dollars, which is a U.S. dollar is very strong right now internationally. But they pay their people and their suppliers and their service companies in rubles, which has been cut in half. So if you think about that, they're actually making a more 
bigger profit because of the, the decline of the ruble because they're getting paid in American dollars. Now, Bloomberg doesn't touch on that, but it, it would fit right in with this article. Okay, th- I'm, I'm really trying to process that right now because sort of in, in America, you have operators who, are, who obviously want prices to go back up. Is it, is it sort of an opposite situation over there where they're like, well, we don't care because we're, we're, we're paid in this and we get higher profits? Yeah, so that's a very small percentage. The country as a whole, the people of Russia want the prices to go back up. I mean, imagine if fifty percent of your income um, was 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 cut out, right, or, or diminished drastically. That that and that's what's happened to the country. Now, if you think about political, geopolitical, and if you look at what's been going on in Russia lately, because their income has been cut, they're getting aggressive. They're getting aggressive internationally, and that's because their people are starting to grumble and start to have unrest. So I expect Russia to continue to be more aggressive internationally because of the low price of crude. Once the price comes back and their uh, their deficit shrinks, I think they will back off on the um, you know the geopolitical aggression. Do you think it so they need some propaganda to be able to push out to the people? That's part of it. Um, part of it also is, quite frankly, if something bad happens in the Middle East, um, the price of crude will come back quickly. And and I've talked to a lot of senior people in the last couple months, and they all you know, without letting me quote them, they all say, you know, when it's in private, I don't want a war to happen. I don't want people to die. I don't want children to just suffer. But if for some reason something breaks out in the Middle East between Saudi Arabia and Iraq, I know the price of crude will rebound instantly. And unfortunately, that's true. Um, I'm not saying Russia's trying to make that happen, but if it would happen, it would benefit the Russian economy. What is, there's no chance that they would, that that, that would be a, a driver for what they might do? No, I mean, that's just wrong, right? And, and even though Russia's being a little bit more aggressive, they're not, I just don't see them doing something that is just wrong to benefit their economy. Um, but they are being a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I mean, you see the stuff that's going on in the news, right? See the stuff's going on between Russia and Turkey and, um, you know, Russia and U.S. and Russia and Europe. And, um, and they're just being more aggressive because their income has been uh, slashed so dramatically and just, just causing geopolitical tensions. You know, the other part of that is I'm sure Russia would really like to see us lift the sanctions um, in, especially in this low crude market, they have a lot of recoverable um, normal reserves, so um, not unconventional, but the normal reserves, and those are actually profitable at thirty bucks a barrel. And so, they, you know, they would love to have some of our well stimulation technology to to increase that, and they can't get that with the current sanctions. We talk a lot about the Middle East and specifically Saudi Arabia and how they have all these social programs and they're dipping into their savings. And if they didn't have those social programs, it would cause a revolt maybe how long can russia survive with low crude prices before the people start getting really upset that's a hard one to call right um their their leadership the people love their leadership over there i would have thought there would have already been um grumblings and rumblings and you know calls to to change the way the the political organizations go there and they just love um put into death so that that's a really hard one for me to call. I I don't see um, what would happen. What we talk about in the Middle East happening in Russia. I, I I just don't see it happening. Um, I think the people there are, are buckling down. They're making do. Um, you know, one of the things the Russian government. And this is gonna sound funny, but it's true. One thing the Russian government does is it heavily subsidizes vodka to make it ridiculously <laughs> cheap for the people. I know, I know, it sounds so bad, but it's true, right? And so you know, just keep them sauced, and they'll be they'll be happy. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's I, I don't I don't see anything like that happening over there. Um, it is you're, you're going to see in the next ten years some very big shifts um, in the market for oil and gas because of um, our ability to export because a lot of Middle East looking to um, capture that market in Europe that Russia has, and so Russia's going to have to find other markets. And it's probably the I mean it's already happened. They're already you know working with China to to capture some of that market and also India. So uh, I think you'll see some changes, but you won't see any revolts in Russia. It's not going to happen. Okay. We talk about the Middle East a lot, and we have this was actually a four-part story, and I didn't want to put all four parts into the show, but all four parts got a lot of clicks on Twitter. So this is obviously something people are interested in, and so it's from Energy Global Hydrocarbon Engineering EnergyGlobal.com, the right balance part one, and it's basically looking at the balance of all kinds of things throughout the Middle East, country by country. So can you? Kind of walk us through this. Yeah, this is a great article, James. So this is showing country by country in the Middle East what is going on as far as uh, the balance between um, consumption and production. So, for instance, um, the the consumption of gasoline or diesel in some of these countries versus how much they actually make. And it's interesting if you go through, um, you can see that the Middle East has, in the different countries, have recognized that there's a because most of the Middle East, and, and people may not know this, even though they produce a ton of crude oil and gas, they, they don't produce a lot of refined products, so they have to import gasoline, diesel, and petrochemicals. And they've realized that that's, that's a chink in their armor. So a lot of the countries over there are frantically trying to build up um, refinery capacity so that they can refine their own oil so they're not dependent on importing it from other countries. So we'll hit a couple of things. You know, they talk about Bahrain, uh, where their gasoline outputs about you know 15 to 20,000 barrels per day. But, but they use 80,000 barrels, so there's a price difference there. You know, Iran's in the same boat. You know, their, their output is um, – their demand is about 40,000 barrels per day, and they have um, almost no output. You know, Iraq is um, – 400,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's their demand. Okay. Yeah. So – and then you, you look at um, – you know, Iraq. Iraq has probably the largest refining capacity in the Middle East, um, but their their production of gasoline is around you know eighty thousand barrels per day, and they're using over a hundred thousand barrels per day. So you can see how this goes through. Now, interesting if you go look at Kuwait, and you know Kuwait was was the whole benefit of of the U.S. and the um, coalition stepping in when they had the invasion of the of the um, Desert Storm, and so that country's actually really turned itself around. So even though their demand is about forty-five thousand barrels per day, they're producing fifty-five thousand barrels per day. So they're they're on the good side of, of demand versus production. So and so if if you go through this article, part one, part two, it goes country by country. Now, what's interesting about this? If you're in oil and gas and you work for a company that somehow touches refining in any way, whether you do engineering. Um, project management, whether you make valves, pumps, whatever. This is a good article for you to go through and look at the different countries that are trying to grow their refinery capacity. Guess what? They have a need for what you do, right? Because they're growing the refinery, they're building the sort of stuff. So, you know, any country companies out there that are looking for business, go through this article and read it country by country and it'll allow you to focus your sales and marketing efforts. Some of those downstream companies that might be listening. Well, not just downstream companies, think about valves. Valves apply across this entire industry, you know, upstream, midstream, and downstream. Um, you take somebody like Forum, who's like one of the biggest valve manufacturers here in the U.S., and predominantly they've been an upstream-focused company because that's been the biggest demand. Well, not now, not in these low crude prices. So someone like Forum, which – and I know they're doing this. Um, um, shout out to J.J. Walker, who's the head of their sales globally. But I know they focus their, their efforts on downstream now, and they're doing really well in this low crude price market because a valve is a valve. 
The biggest section on part two is on Saudi Arabia. What do they say about Saudi Arabia? Yeah, so we've talked about this in the past. Saudi Arabia is probably the largest refining center in the Middle East, and it's growing its refining capacity like crazy because they realize the globe has a huge demand for refined products. And, and you know, the U.S. is leading that, right? We're, we are exporting refined products like crazy, and we're building more capacity. Um, we have the best, most efficient refineries on the planet. We have the cheapest feedstock and the lowest transportation costs to get that feedstock to the refineries. But Saudi Arabia is close, right? They're they're, they're so they're building this refining capacity, um, you know, and and their output has has risen, you know, seven hundred, eight hundred um, thousand barrels a day of diesel, right? So so they're getting there. They're they're getting ahead of that curve, um, and and it's great to see them. And once again, if if you're in a business that touches refining, Saudi Arabia is growing its refining capacity like crazy, and not just in Saudi Arabia. They've partnered all over the world to grow their refining capacity. And the kind of cool thing they do, like such as China, is when they partner with the Chinese government or a Chinese company to build a refinery, in the contract, they stipulate where that crude needs to come from. And guess where it has to come from? Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, right? So they're basically going out, building a market that doesn't exist for them yet, and then making sure that market is supplied by their, by, by their production. How, that's smart. That is very smart. Speaking of smart, we have a very dedicated fan of the show. Big, big shout out to John Potashnik. Now, I didn't plan on doing this on this show, Mark, but should we go ahead and announce our network? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. The, so the, the backstory here is that obviously we started off with This Week in Oil and Gas, which is now Oil and Gas This Week for the Google Juice, which is working, by the way. We, our, our show, our show um, made it to number six on Oil & Gas Podcast Search, so that is awesome. But we then launched Oil & Gas Careers Podcast, and we're not done. We're not nearly done. We're going to go into video. We're going all over the place, right, Mark? Yeah, we're, we're growing like crazy. And James and I are making sure we grow strategically, right? We're just not going to do anything somebody wants us to do. We're going to grow in ways that provides benefit to our audience. So in the process of this growth, we've realized that this little show that we started just as a kind of a fun thing for me and James is going to turn into a piece of a huge network. And what do we end up figuring out? And actually, we didn't figure. We out, didn't. James. We we threw it out to the to the LinkedIn group because we needed to rename the LinkedIn group because it didn't make any sense because it, we had two shows we we're posting in there, and you and I have been struggling with this thing for what three weeks now. Yeah, we couldn't come up with anything that that fit. That fit, and then John, within under five minutes, he said, "What about World Oil and Gas Network?" And I said, "Ooh, what about Global Oil and Gas Network?" Go over to Namecheap. The URL is available. There it is. The oil and gas, the global oil and gas network is is where we're headed. And yes. I'm fired up, Mark. Yeah, I am too. And so if all our listeners think about this, you are the early adopters of the global oil and gas network. We're proud of you, right? You're the reason we're able to do this. So um, um, uh, John, you know what? You don't know you're getting this, but we have some custom hot sauce that we're putting together for the yeah Golden hot sauce, and it's gonna be um, it's not gonna be easy to get. We only give it to special people for special occasions. You get the first batch. You get the first bottle. First batch of oil and of of global oil and gas network hot sauce. OG, what is it? Global G O G N. <laughs> yeah. So I'm super excited about everything that's going to be going on in that. Stay tuned. 
we're going to be changing the LinkedIn group name and rolling out more shows. And um, we'll see where this goes. We really don't know how big it could get, Mark. No, and, but we're having fun in the process. And the bottom line is we're providing value. We will not grow this in a way that only puts money in somebody else's pocket. The money that we make with this, with our sponsorships, goes back in the show so we can produce more and higher quality content for you, our audience. Yeah, that's, that's the most important thing. We just had a conversation a couple of days ago about our strategy, and we're just, no, that's a sellout. We're not doing that. Yeah, and we, don't, we won't. No, no. It's, it, it, we, have, we have only gotten here because you trust us, and we're not going to do anything to compromise that trust. So thank you for listening. Back to the articles. This next one is overwhelmingly political, and so let's try to navigate these waters as best we can without getting too far down one side or the other. So it's Trudeau's plan for oil and gas. This is about Canada. Good article, John. Thanks for, uh, for sending this out. So basically, Dave. yeah, basically the Canadians government is, is the way they elect stuff is a little bit different than we do here in the U S they basically every 10 years get tired of whoever party's in power, regardless of what's going on or not. And they think, well, they've been in power for 10 years. We need something new. And so then they switch to the other side. And that recently just happened in the fall of 2015 when um, when they elected the new liberal government. And, and, and the existing government was there for 10 years, like I just said. And so the, the people say it's time for a change. And that's you can go back in history and look and see how that goes back and forth in Canada. Um, but, of course, as far as this, the way this affects the oil and gas industry, it's not necessarily going to be great. Now, nothing's been rolled out for sure, but there's been a lot of talk um, by the liberal part of the government about things that, um, you know, things like the environment, right? They, they want to go back and, and, um, and look at more environmental regulations for the oil and gas industry. Um, they have their own version of the Fisheries Act um, where they want to go back in and look and make sure the oil and gas industry is not damaging wildlife. Um, they they want to go back and re-examine some of the stuff the previous government did as far as um, uh, tax breaks to the oil and gas industry. Um, they want to have, continue the moratorium on tanker traffic on the uh, um, British the British Columbia's uh, north coast. Um, so it, it's you know how is this going to affect the oil and gas industry in Canada? It's probably not going to be good. And then unfortunately, the industry in Canada right now is really really suffering. So um, you know, I'm kind of hoping for the people of Canada that this new government looks at everything holistically, not just from a political slant, and, and understands the business and the economic benefits the oil and gas industry brings to Canada and works with the industry there. Um, if they are going to make changes, make changes that don't, don't affect people's livelihood. One of the things that stands out to me is the Low Carbon Economy Trust. Yeah, I, you know, I, I could do a whole show uh, on this, you know, um, and, and a lot of people may not know this. This is one of my pet peeves. Anytime you look at a problem, James, and you know that you and I have worked together and done this, and this is what I do with my clients, you have a bunch of problems that you can solve, but what is the biggest problem? What is the 80% issue? And that's where you need to spend your time, not only the 20% issue. Well, when you look at, um, uh, you look at um, global warming, f and, and there's no, I, I could spend hours, but basically, when you're looking at greenhouse gases, do you know that uh, carbon dioxide is really not that much of a greenhouse gas? You want to know what the biggest greenhouse gas is? Tell me. Water vapor. <laughs> way, way more of a greenhouse effect than carbon, carbon dioxide. How many environmentalists do you know are out there fighting the water vapor? <laughs> that would be but really difficult. it's a difficult. bigger freaking problem, right? So, and, and I can tell you why they don't fight water vapor. And, and, and some will tell you that man doesn't affect water vapor. That's not true. Think of every time you boil something, every time you wash dishes, you know, every time you microwave something, 
every time a boat speeds through the water, every time you turn on the shower, yes, human, humans have increased water vapor in the atmosphere. And it's way more of a greenhouse gas. But you never hear any environmentalists talk about that for one reason. There's no money involved, right? There's money involved in capturing carbon. There's not money involved in capturing water vapor. I'll, so, you know, the, the, Canadian, the new government's $2 billion low-carbon economy trust fund uh, to, and basically trying to support projects that reduce carbon – well, look at that. There's $2 billion right there that somebody's going to make. And, and that's what really drives it. And I don't want to go down the deep end, but, you know, uh, for all of our, our, our brothers and sisters in Canada, I hope the new government does things fairly and, and protects the prosperity that y'all have enjoyed for the last 50 years in the oil and gas industry. I'll, I'll throw this in the show notes, not to go further down this. We'll just transition right after this. But it was on investors.com. I shared it on Facebook. Five ways we know Al Gore has been running a global warming racket. <laughs> and and here's the quote unless drastic measures to reduce greenhouse gases are taken within the next 10 years the world will reach a point of no return al gore 2006 yeah and and people that listen don't get me wrong global warming is a is a fact right but it's a natural swing what is the opposite of an ice age global warming we have an ice age about every 100,000 years. It's been about 120,000 years since we've had an ice age. So, of course, we're in a global warming phase because we're not in an ice age phase. Um, you know, my big disconnect is the people out there that say man's activity has increased the rate of global warming. And there's no proof of that. None. Um, anyway, let's not go down that route. Let's keep moving. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've got lots of stories to get through in the, in the next 20 minutes. So, so let's, let's, uh, let's pick up the pace so that, um, so that we can be respectful of everyone's time. But, man, we could soapbox on that one for the rest of the day. <laughs> I hate talking about oil prices. You know that, Mark, because I don't focus on oil prices. I focus on where I'm headed. And I think our, I think our success in this endeavor is a good example that there's still plenty of money to be made in this industry by innovative thinking. Yeah. And, and so we have to talk about it, though. So oilprice.com. How soon could a sustained oil rally occur? Yeah, great article by David Yeager. Um, basically, if you go through this, he's talking about how the news is reporting things that make it look like this low crude price environment is going to be here forever, and it's not true. And it's going to rebound, which you know we've been talking about forever. And in my uh, history in this industry, about every ten years, we have an adjustment. We have a low crude price uh, period of time. You know, it happened in the eighty-two, eighty-three time frame. Happened in like ninety. 91, 92. It's happening now, you know, 2015. Um, it'll happen again in 2025, 26, whatever. It just happens, right? We think oil's bounce back to $60 a barrel by August. Um, if something happens in the Middle East, it'll bounce back much quicker, much higher. And if you go through this article, uh, David's basically saying the same thing, uh, that, the, that the markets are going to adjust themselves, that the oversupply is shrinking, and that we'll be back to decent prices soon. So don't freak out. Yeah, just just hang in there. We're, we're going to get there. Over to Seeking Alpha, discounting shale oil would be a foolish long-term strategy. Yeah, you know, um, it's funny about Seeking Alpha. I either love their articles or I don't like it. There's never an article where it's like, eh, that's okay. So I actually love this article. Um, there, he's basically talking about how you can't crush shale oil. And think about it, James. When prices get too low, people just quit going to production. That damn well is still there, right? The ability to drill new wells is still there. When the price comes back, it just light it back up. And that's what he's saying in here. It's that you can't discount shell oil because it's so easy now that we have the technology down pat and have it down to science to, to ramp up. And so when the price comes back, you'll see it ramp up. And the other thing he brings up is what a lot of people don't realize is the shell oil phenomena is a U.S. thing, right? 
but the geology and the ability to get oil out of the ground using hydraulic fracking is a global thing. So what happens as this technology and this science spreads around the rest of the world? Like I told you, like I've talked about in our 2016 predictions, we're in a hydrocarbon abundant world and we will continue to be in a hydrocarbon abundant world. Yes, we'll have price fluctuations. That's part of being a commodity. But a um, great article about how you just can't discount Shell. One of the things that that really struck me when I got into the industry and started to really understand how things worked is the historic recovery rate versus what you can do with shale in terms of kind of gut instinct versus science. Yeah, and, and so uh, one of the reasons that the technology is not spread is a lot of what makes a, 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 a fracked well productive is in people's heads. It's still a science but it, it looks like it's an art. Literally, that driller is looking at the, the rock fragments that are coming up. He knows when he's in the pay zone, right? He can just tell. They can actually smell it sometimes. Now, there's a bunch of comp companies out there rat frantically digitalizing that, figuring out algorithms so that it doesn't have to be in somebody's head. Um, and, and so the science is developing after the art was there. And, and once the science is down pat, then you can take that and replicate it all over the world. Yeah, and big data is going to help that. And we have some conversations coming up with, with some .5 episodes on all that fun stuff. OSU professor and optimist about ethane cracker up in Ohio. Yeah, great story. So this is a professor at Ohio State University. And uh, in Belmont County, there's $5.7 Now, people, listen to me. That's a B. $5.7 billion project. That's one ethylene cracker. And there's hundreds of them going up. Um, and he's basically talking about how just the construction phase of this is going to bring jobs, not just in their, their local area, but up to a 600-mile radius. So he's saying that hotels within 600-mile radius will benefit from this ethylene cracker as because these workers need a place to stay. And he's right. right? When, when you have this type of construction project going up, it benefits the econ local economy, but also benefits a very wide swath through the industry because a lot of these skilled workers come in for this project, um, make good money, and then leave and go on to the next one. But the local economy benefits because those skilled workers need a place to stay. Right? They need fuel for their trucks. They need clothes. They need groceries, whatever. So – um, you know, just once again, showing how the oil and gas industry brings prosperity to not just where the plant itself is being built, but to a large part of that part of the country. Yeah, really good stuff and more more good stuff in terms of taking a positive look at five effects low gas prices are having on Americans from the Daily Caller. A great article. Right? You and I have talked about this kind of off and on pieces of this, but this is the first I've ever seen it all in one place. So one of the first things they talk about is, um, you know, the poor people in the U.S. get the most benefits. And I've never thought about that, but it's true. So somebody like you and me, James, saving, you know, three or four dollars per tank for filling up is really not a huge deal. I mean, my, my tank costs a dollar fifty to fill up right <laughs> That's now. That's right. You ride a scooter. <laughs> yeah. So so for somebody like me, you know, saving a few dollars per tank is not that big a deal. Somebody that literally lives paycheck to paycheck and is struggling to feed his family, that extra three, five, ten, twenty dollars a week that's good money. That's and so the the poor people in the U.S. get the biggest benefit from from these um, um, low gas prices. And then the next thing they talk about how everything will be cheaper, and they're true. Transportation cost is cheaper, which then trickles through the economy. So you know that gallon of of bleach you're buying at Walmart is a little bit cheaper because it costs Walmart a little bit less to get it shipped to the store. Um, and it also it slows down infl inflation. Cheap gasoline and 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 diesel slow the rate of inflation. Um, which is also good for people for that that are in the poor side of the, of the, the um, economic range, right? Because they can buy more. 
Um, then it, it also talks it's easier to save money. You have extra cash because you're not spending it on fuel. So then you can save it. And I was wrong for my predictions, I think 2014. 14, yeah. Yeah, when I said that this would cause an economic boom in the U.S. because people would spend this money, this savings, and and I was wrong. No, it, 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 it was it was fifteen. Yeah, because I had you on the show for those, <laughs> for, yeah. on the old show for those. It was twenty fifteen. Sorry, and I was wrong about that. What happened is, yes, Americans had that extra money, but instead of spending it like I thought, they saved it and they paid off debt, which is actually better. I just didn't expect the U.S. population <laughs> to do that. Why would um, you? Yeah, but but you know, once again. You know, and and last last data I looked at, it's looking like an average American house household saving anywhere between a uh, seven hundred and thousand dollars a year because of these low gas prices. That's significant money, especially if you're saving that. Um, and then airline and travel is cheaper because the cost of fuel is cheaper. The cost of jet fuels went down. I predicted we'd get in a price war of airline tickets, and you're actually starting to see that right now in certain uh, routes where there's some strict local competition. On Southwest, jet- going out of Houston Hobby, you can get anywhere for cheap on on the 6 a.m. or, or 7 p.m. flights. It's crazy. James, you can jump on a Southwest flight from Ve- San Francisco to Vegas for $67 round trip. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy cheap. You know, that was when the price of oil was $100 a barrel, that was a $300 ticket. And then finally, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Russia will become more assertive. Um, the Russians' foreign policy is going to become more aggressive because the low crude prices are hurting Russia's economy. Um, so, and, and so, you know, great article showing five benefits of the of the low crude prices that nobody wants to talk about or nobody has talked about, um, and it's all in one place. Good job. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot because we're always trying to to. We're not that. That's what I love about this show is that we're not the the uh, what is the word. Um, Ah, I'm I'm completely struggling with the word we're right now. We're not the doom and gloomers. We're not the doom and gloomers, right? And no. we're also not the, the it's the sensationalists, right? No, we, we report the facts, and it's um unfortunately in my wanderings on the web, I think we're the only people that try to truthfully report what's going on without a bias. Yeah, yeah, and it, all of the clickbait, and all, that's why I say I hate talking about oil prices because it's just all clickbait. It's all oh the world is ending. Oh this is happening. Oh this is happening, and and yeah, people in oil and gas, we don't want to really talk about, but I think you said it might either, I can't remember if you said it while we were on the mic or, or off a couple of weeks ago, where you're like, well, I bet they're not complaining when they're filling up their F-150. Yeah, I think I said that on the mic. Um, and, and yeah, you don't ever hear that. And, and we are by no means sliding the poor people that have lost their jobs or have taken pay cuts or whatever. We know that's going through and we feel for you, right? We're actually trying to help you with that. We have another show dedicated only to find helping you find a, another job in oil and gas. So we know that's hurting upstream and the service company to touch upstream, but the industry as a whole is doing well and we try to report the facts. So speaking of company that does very well, National Oil Well Varco sat down uh, with Fool, the Motley Fool. Yeah, we I love National Oil Well, and we're actually James. You and I have been invited to go sit down and listen to how National Oil Well is using big data to streamline his business. So, I'm gonna geek out at that. <laughs> I'm gonna be at my max geek level. Is I can't wait for that event. Yeah, and what's so cool about this? This isn't theory. This isn't academia. We're gonna actually sit down with one of the leaders of National Oil Well and hear how they're actually doing it, like in the real world. So we'll report back on that after we do it. Um, great, great interview by um, the Motley Fool who. Um, speaking of clickbait, who loves the sensationalized stuff? They love sensational clickbait, but that's the annoying thing is that they have sensational clickbait, but they also have great content. So it's yeah. you know, 
And so this is a, a, um, an interview with a Clay Williams, the CEO of National Oil of Varco, and it goes through um, some of the things that happened recently and how National Oil got its start. You know, National Oil spun off its di distribution business into a separate company a while back. It's called Dist Distribution Now, NOW. Um, so, um, you know, and that was a, sm a smart move by National Oil Well so they could separate a part of their business, which was big, but it was low margin from another part of their business, which is not as big, but very high margin. So they can concentrate on that high margin business, which is National Oil Varco. Um, and it's cool that the, the CEO of both companies, they're friends, right? So when they spun it off, the CEO of um, uh, um, Distribution Now uh, actually was one of the direct reports of the CEO uh, Clay Williams at National Oil Varco, and they remain buddies. They still go out and have a beer or two. Um, and, and they're just talking about how National Oil has a great leadership um, process in place where they actually groom and um, train and measure their leadership to, to eventually run the company, um, how they're looking at a, a set of, uh, you, know, you know, their management team is probably their core offering, um, and how they're able to do things that other companies won't do. Like National Oil Wells got a big presence in Silicon Valley, right? How many oil and gas companies do you think have a big presence in Silicon Valley? Um, but they're looking for new technologies, right? And so great interview. If, if you want to kind of see behind the scenes of National Oil Well, go check this out. Another cool thing, they have the video and a transcript. I wonder where they got that from. Yeah, I wonder where they got that from. <laughs> and you know what's funny? If you, if you look at the pictures in the video, I think I know that hotel room that they filmed this in because I think I actually filmed an interview those exact same chairs. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we have a good news story here. Uh, in Gulf of Mexico, my, microbes thrive above natural oil seeps. Yeah, I'm glad you found this. I, I, this is I've known this for forever, but I've never talked about it before because I never thought about it. But one of the things that people may not know, you, oil and gas is as crude oil is as natural as you can get. Crude oil is not um, man-made. It's made from the deco the compressed remains of ancient seabeds and dinosaur bones, right? So it's and it's been compressed by the earth for hundreds of thousands of years, and the uh, farms hydrocarbons. So oil is natural, hundred percent natural, um, and having oil leaks which in this case they're calling them seeps in the gulf of mexico is also totally natural and this article is about how there's microbes that thrive in this environment now if you read this article the microbes that they're studying actually thrive because of the natural gas that's released which brings up um, nutrients from the deep water but there's also microbes they don't talk about this that actually feed on crude oil right so their food is crude oil and the oil and gas industry is <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 but the oil and gas industry has taken those microbes and developed them to help clean up spills. How much more natural is it than to get a bunch of microbes to eat the oil, which they normally eat anyway, when you have an oil spill? You know, and and I've known this for a while. I just never talked about it. But a great article showing um, how oil fits into the natural environment. Yeah, it's 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 a crunchy thing to do, oil and gas. <laughs> you might as well <laughs> might as well be uh, you know driving your um. Well, yeah, th that's the thing. If you're crunchy, then you drive a jeep which makes a lot of sense. But anyway, um, no, I, I just, I thought it was fascinating because you always have the not in my backyard, the NIMBY and, oh, it's oil spills. And I, I, let's get the environmentalists working on this. Yeah. And I'm not saying that oil is not dangerous. There's a difference between dangerous and natural. So um, cocaine, mercury, sulfuric acid, crude oil, all of those are natural. 100% natural, but it, but they they can be dangerous if you use them in the wrong way. Um, vitamin C, right? That's not natural, right? There's no spring. The, the, the 
puts out vitamin C. There's no tree that you go pick vitamin C tablets on. So that's totally man-made, but it's also very healthy. So people confuse natural and healthy all the time, and you, you really shouldn't. Yeah, and they always throw out it, – it, I liked it in, in the moral case for fossil fuels where he talked about if someone throws, throws a, a chemical name at you without giving any context to – how much, what was the balance and everything? Because you could literally name any chemical compound on the, on the, the, what is it? The table? <laughs> I, yeah, those are actually elements, but you're right. So if I say something like, I'm going to put acetosalicylic acid in your mouth, people go, oh my God, no. Now acetosalicylic acid is aspirin. Right. But if you don't know that, it sounds horrible because I just use the chemical name. Right. Or what's the one for water? I can't remember. It sounds really ridiculous. Hydrogen dioxide. Hydrogen. Oh gosh. You know, hydrogen dioxide, I saw it actually a couple of weeks ago. People were freaking out. And I was like, yeah, um, that's that's water. <laughs> so, and, some, and, and someone said, you beat me to it. And, and all right, well, we're, we're running up against our tie. We're going to go into oil and gas sales experts, 13 ways to identify a pro. We're going to have to throw that into the show notes. Just talk talk real quickly about the article, though, that you have out there, Mark. Yeah, so basically I have a lot of people, a lot of companies reach out to me. It's like we're getting ready to hire a consultant or we're getting ready to hire a salesperson. How do we know if he really knows oil and gas? And I outlined 13 ways that you can identify if they're really are an oil and gas pro. Perfect. And I'll go ahead and make a uh, an easy link for that. It'll be at triberocket.com forward slash experts. So if you want to see that, Mark's got the video and, and an extensive article. The Onion of the Week. Study, 90% of workplace injuries caused by bare-knuckle boxing. And I believe that might be actually a fact in the oil field. Actually, in the oil field, it probably is a big fact. I guarantee (laughs) if you Google um, boxing roughnecks, you'll come up with some really funny videos. I'm I'm actually going to do that (laughs) as soon as we get done here. Um, And then, all right, so moving on, we have a winner this week. Our winner is Michael... Michael, I'm Mark is making fun of me. I can't. I'm, 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 I'm freezing up. Hetherington. Hetherington? Michael Hetherington, uh, QA inspector at Shepley Engineering. They are a major contractor and program manager specializing in uh, term contract work predominantly within the nucle- nuclear and chemical process plant environments. Their work involves high-integrity site and workshop activity within those challenging sectors. Congratulations, Michael. Your bag is on the way, and we have an announcement to make about the bags. Mark, go ahead. Yeah, so if you've listened to the show for a while, we keep telling you that it's going to end in January. And now when is it going to end, James? It's going to end through March. And I just talked to Red Wing this morning right before we, we got on and, and started recording. And the, really, the reason that they're extending this is because so many people want this thing. <laughs> it's just, the, the, the response has been overwhelming. And, and, so, and so over there, they're just saying, we, we've, got a, we've got so many names there's a few people who enter eight times a week or something like that. And so, and so she just said, you know what, let's just push it through March and give, give more of an opportunity. So this is going to go through the end of March now. And folks, if you want one of these awesome bags and they really are awesome, uh, follow the link. It'll take you 10 seconds to fill out your name, your email address and get put in the pot. Um, Do it. You, You will be happy, happy, happy if you get one of these bags. And yeah. we, you know, how cool is it you get one from Red Wing? Yeah, definitely. So uh, no purchase necessary. 
to win, see official rules at redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast, redwingshoes.com forward slash podcast. Big finish. We got events on deck, SPE hydraulic fracturing. We got a company hosting us out there on February 9th, Mark. Yeah, and um, that's Jeremy. So uh, hats off to Jeremy for, for reaching out to us. From Mobile Data Technologies. Yeah, Mobile Data Technologies. Thanks for sponsoring us, and we'll see you at the SPE Hydraulic Fracturing Show. If any of our audience is also going, hit James and I up on Twitter. We'd love to connect with you. Yeah, and if you have an event that you'd like to bring us to, reach out. Let us know. <laughs> reach out. Let us know. So that's happening up in the Woodlands at the Marriott Hotel and Convention Center, February 9th through 11th. Of course, the NAEP Expo is coming up February 10th through 12th. That's at the George R. Brown Everybody knows about that, but the big thing everybody wants to know about is when are we getting on this rig, Mark? So we're, let's go back to Nate real quick. Folks, if you're in the oil and gas industry and you have anything to do with um, upstream or the service companies, you need to be there. Even this low crude price environment, they're expecting 10,000 people to show up. They're going to have over 700 uh, vendors there. There's hours and hours of prospect um, uh, discussions out there. It's a great place to network. And what I love about the NAEP show, it's the only one that we go to, James and I go to, where everybody that's going there is either there to buy something or share or sell something. So the energy is very high. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a great turnout. Um, as I want to say on that real quick, the thing I love about people at NAEP is that they're deal makers just through and through. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're not a direct competitor of theirs, I've had so many times where I've been at NAEP. Well, what do you do? Well, I do this. Oh, good. Johnny, get over here. You need to talk yeah. to this guy, you know? And it's just like they love hooking people up. They just love doing deals no matter what. Yeah, I just uh, shot an interview with uh, uh, Jeannie, who's the chair of the operating committee at NAEP, about why you should go, especially in this low crude price environment. And one of the things that I had forgotten is NAEP got started in a low crude price environment. NAEP got started when it was $13 a barrel. And so if they've grown and been successful in a low crude price environment, and we're in a low crude price environment now, you need to be there. Yeah, definitely. All right, back to the rig. Yeah, so we're actually doing a rig tour Saturday, March 5th at 10 a.m. in Houston. Uh, this is a once-in-a-10-lifetime chance. I still cannot believe I pulled this off. There's a whole backstory here. Even I will never be able to pull this off again um, because of liability and safety uh, issues. But if you've never been on an offshore rig, and, and by the way, we're not, you don't have to get on a boat or helicopter. This offshore rig's in dry dock in Baytown. Um, we are doing a tour. Um, the only prerequisite is you have to join the API Young Professionals, which automatically gets you membership into the Houston API chapter. And it's to qualify to be an API Young Professional, though. Yeah, it's um, it's you need to either have five years or less experience in the oil and gas industry, regardless of your age, or you need to be 35 years of age or younger. Um, but it's all of $25 a year to join. So we're not looking at a lot of money. Uh, James will put a link up there. Um, we would love to see you out there. James and I will both be out there. It's um, I'm still waiting to hear back if we can shoot some video. If we can, we're going to probably do some production out there. So it might be your chance to either get in one of our videos or get on the air. Um, come. if you're in. I don't care what you do in the industry. I don't care if you're in the industry. I don't even care in, where you are either. Yeah. If you have an interest, this is a once-in-a-lifetime to actually go in an offshore rig, and and I am so looking forward to this. Yeah, likewise. Saturday, March 5th, 10 a.m., we got one more sponsorship to fill. Talk about that real quick, and we got to wrap. Yeah, so uh, we have one space left. We sold all of our sponsorships for, for this year, and it looks like we're going to sell it for 2017 before this year is over with. If you want to get in front of our oil and gas audience, if you want us to help you with your business, reach out to James and I. Let's talk. Like I said, one spot left, so do it.
they can actually go to go to my website now and find out more information as well. Oh, that's right. That's right. So James, put a link up. Uh, he has a whole page about uh, what's involved, what you get, the benefits. Um, yeah, quick, easy read. Go check it out. Yeah, so you can go triberocket.com forward slash sponsor, and that will take you right to the Become a Sponsor page where uh, we've got it all laid out for you. We have three questions right now for the first Friday Q&A, which is next week. So we need more questions please go to triberocket.com forward slash QA and ask us questions. So yeah, that prefer we leave a voicemail so we can actually re- play it on the air. Yes. And then, and then um, actually closing here with the reviews, we have, we have one new four star review and it is from sub zero LNG four stars. Great, great job. Enjoy the casual and uncomplicated time of the, uh, yeah, time of the conversation, no complex jargon or acronyms. Well, that's because I have to stop you from using acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, wish it was a bit shorter with a bit less out-of-topic intro. Uh, my, my commute is 45 minutes a day and don't like to spend time in, all, in just one podcast. 30 minutes is optimum. Thank you for the awesome review, and we have a podcast for that. <laughs> Yeah, and not only do we have a podcast that, but if we, you let me change your route, uh, Sub-Zero, um, we can actually make your commute an hour and a half, and this way you can listen to our show and another one. <laughs> yes, definitely. We'll route you all over the place. But um, So we've, we've mentioned it a few times, and it's definitely gaining traction. If you haven't checked it out yet, check it out. Oil and Gas Careers Podcast. It is, it is a short-form show, no longer than 20 minutes, hard stop at 20 minutes, and and you get while we're talking about the different positions that are available, you get a lot of analysis and insight from Mark in terms of of learning more about the oil field. So check it out and leave us a review at triberocket.com forward slash TW reviews. That will take you straight in the iTunes store where you can leave us a review. Mark, do you have anything to add? Because we really got to go. Yeah, so on the review things, people do it. We're trying to kick our competitions, but we need your help. Give us a review and allow us to pull ahead. Um, Other than that, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys. It's the tension, right? It, it has to happen in a band. Right? <laughs> they they have to fight sometimes. I'm uh, not fighting. I'm just difference of opinion. <laughs>